0: This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous at the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each episode, we have one goal in mind, to share experiences, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Masters in Travel is a podcast, community, and academy for travel advisors by travel advisors, and I'm so glad to have you join the conversation. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. As a travel advisor, one of the most uncertain parts of our day-to-day is deciding which supplier partners to work with around the world, especially those who are around the world on the ground in their destination and not necessarily based in the U.S. And in my experience, I've often relied on consortia relationships, host agency relationships, And of course, advice and recommendations from trusted colleagues. As we all know, both pre-pandemic, during the pandemic and in our reality today, sometimes those recommendations don't always stand up as much as they hoped that they would. And so the conversation about who to work with, who is financially sound and who is really taking care of their business behind the scenes can often be a really hard question to answer. And I don't know the answer to a lot of those questions for most suppliers. So I have invited Marnie Brown to join me today. She is the founder and CEO of Trusted FIT Services to talk a little bit more on this topic and to shed light on a new business that she has started. Marnie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you very much, Whitney. It's my first podcast. Oh, great. I'm not sure I'm the most fascinating person you've ever interviewed, but (laughs) I'm absolutely thrilled to do this for you today and hopefully to enlighten you as well as some of the other travel advisors out there who are struggling a little bit in the current environment in terms of really knowing who is stable out there and who may not be, particularly Relevant this morning as we're all hearing that Crystal Cruises is almost certainly sinking, going under, so to speak, and and a great cruise line. So thank you. And and just let me know how I can, uh, what you'd like to know. Perfect. Well, it's interesting timing
0: that we are recording this right when we are hearing about Crystal Cruises. But I think that that just further enhances the importance of this conversation because prior to the pandemic, I felt like this was the conversation that was like, oh, I should probably know about this. Is it really necessary? And then something did happen with the company that I was working with. They did go out of business slash disappears.
1: It is a very,
0: very important question that I think we want to have before we need to have it.
1: I founded Trusted FIT Services because this is something that with my consortia background, so just very quickly, I've been in this industry my whole career. I've got 25 plus years of experience working with suppliers. I've always worked in supplier relations and in a position where my job was essentially to vet tour operators okay. and DMCs. For the consortia? Was that your yes, responsibility? Yes. So I was for... with okay. the travel leaders group now, Internova, and actually was with the company going back to when we were owned by Carlson. So I saw the company through its various acquisitions with pro travel and Zelle and vacation.com and all of that, you know, while the company changed many times and, and rebranded, my position with them was basically always the same. I was in supplier relations and it was my job to build those relationships with tourist suppliers, manage those relationships And one of the things that did come up quite frequently, especially with DMCs, destination management companies, smaller tour operators, niche operators, is how do you know if they're financially stable? This was a question, even when I was working with the consortia, that I really didn't have an answer for. And it was something that obviously was the pandemic was the catalyst for TFS, but I knew before going into the pandemic that this was something that our industry needed. Mm-hmm. So almost as soon as the, the pandemic started out, I set about starting this business. And the first thing that we did was think about the name for this company. And even though Trusted FIT Services or TFS is maybe not the sexiest name for a company, <laughs> it was pretty carefully thought out. So we are in the business of providing services to the travel industry. So we're a B2B company. And then Mm -hmm. more specifically, the services that we're developing are to support travel agencies and travel advisors, mostly around this subject of trust and payments. This is an Mm -hmm. area that I have long thought that travel advisors are really quite vulnerable, and particularly travel advisors in the United States. Because if you start looking at some of the other markets, for example, Europe, there is actually legislation in place that requires tour operators and travel agencies who are taking payments from consumers. They are required by law to either carry insurance for financial insolvency or to put those funds into a third party trust account. I can't emphasize that word third party because Uh if a supplier says they put money in a trust account, it's really not a true trust account unless it's managed by a third party, a fiduciary. If it's just another account in their name, it's not right. a true trust account. Right. Okay. So this is what the Europeans learned. That legislation actually goes back a couple of decades, but they beefed it up quite a bit after the demise of Thomas Cook. You may remember mm-hmm. that their largest tour operator went spectacularly belly up just uh, a few so- years ago. Many things
0: were already in place before that, but many things got tightened up after that.
1: Yeah, the big change is that they then applied it to all online bookings. So for a while there actually online, there was a bit of a kind of a loophole in it, but they've now broadened that so that it covers all of these tour type of bookings. In the United States, it is truly the wild west. There's no protection in place. The only surefire way that a travel advisor can be absolutely certain that their client's payment, and generally speaking, travel advisors are giving their client's credit card to the supplier. In Uh some cases, they may be acting as the the merchant, which would Uh be a little bit different. The only way that they can be absolutely certain that that payment is protected is if they purchase uh, travel insurance that covers for supplier default. Now, one of the things that certainly most consumers are blissfully ignorant of is that that credit card payment or even their insurance is not protected for the default of the supplier. Most insurance packages actually do not cover for that. So Mm -hmm. the advisor has to make sure by working with whatever insurance company that they're working with that they're selling has that type of coverage. And in all likelihood, that type of package is gonna be the most expensive kind that the insurance company sells. So it's difficult for that advisor to sell that type of insurance. And quite often insurance is completely waived. The client says, you know what, we've got our own coverage, Uh we don't need that. And then the travel advisor doesn't have that in place. So we actually initially considered with TFS to provide trust accounts or some kind of insurance coverage. That was actually the first thing that we looked oh, into. Oh, okay. interesting. But we actually decided that a financial health check is much better in the long term. And if you think about it, insurance is great. But if that supplier does go belly up, the travel advisor's reputation is still marred by that situation sure. mm-hmm. and they don't look good. Hey, that great supplier that we recommended and we sold, unfortunately they went bankrupt. So ideally you don't want to be in that position in the first right. place. And exactly. we think that the best way to do that is with a very simple financial health check. Okay, This is something, the kind of health check that we do is quite common in other industries. So for example, manufacturing and healthcare, those industries, they are working with overseas suppliers and they very typically every year do a simple financial health check. And Uh that is exactly what we are doing with what what I call our flagship service. So that is TFS supplier verification. With that, does that kind of explain a little bit about what we're Initially, yeah, it,
0: it explains a lot. And so I guess now I'm wondering, do you go seek out the suppliers and say, would you like to participate in this program? Or have you found that they come to you and they say, oh, we want this extra verification just to show our advisors that we're stable? Or how is that? I'm sure it's a little bit of both
1: it it really is the former we want travel advisors to want this you know if you're comfortable using suppliers without this type of verification please go ahead and continue to do that we think that you should not only want this but there should be some responsibility for the travel advisor to verify the suppliers that they work with. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that you've always been dependent on consortia. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that approach. Consortia do some very good vetting. They're watching those suppliers very carefully. And I wanna emphasize that I do not think consortia are at all remiss in terms of not doing this type of verification. We've had conversations with all the consortia and major luxury host agencies They want their DMCs to be TFS verified, and we feel particularly strongly that this is a type of verification that needs to be done by an independent third party. Mm -hmm. So TFS is sales agnostic. We are not taking any backends. We're not taking any commissions. We don't take anything off of that sale, which ensures that our decision-making, our vetting process is completely neutral. And that is something that a, a consortia cannot say and a host agency cannot say. They And and they shouldn't say that. And they should depend on a third party that's completely sales neutral to do this. So to answer your question, we want travel advisors to encourage their DMCs to be verified by okay. us. We want the DMCs to come to us and to get this verification so that they can take this to their partners and say look we're being transparent here's our tfs verified supplier certificate that certificate means that they've gone through this process do you want me to explain a little bit what the verification process is
0: yes before we dive into what the verification process is i'm curious are you ever reaching out to some suppliers and saying hey this is what we're doing are you interested to participate or are you really waiting for them to approach you
1: We will be doing that in 2022. We did not do that in 2021. We had, I did approach a number of DMCs that I knew from my past and and I've been working with DMCs for a very long time and invited them to go through the verification. Actually, the ones we initially approached, they jumped on that opportunity. They were very eager to go through this process and then be able to tell their partners. So the first DMCs that we verified were able to pass. As the pandemic wore on, it was very evident that not just DMCs, DMCs, tour operators, and really suppliers in general, were really starting to feel the impact of that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we started to see is these future travel credits. So Mm -hmm. many tour operators, DMCs, instead of giving refunds, they gave future travel credits. Now, what you have to understand is that a future travel credit is a liability. It Uh sits on the supplier's book as a liability. And we, as part of our verification process, are looking at those liabilities. And it's a short term liability. And it's something that if they don't have the cash or means to cover for those liabilities, what's going to happen? They're going to start to default. Uh Uh And a default is the first sign that any company is starting to crack and they're in trouble. And so what our verification process does is we get a look at their books. We're looking at their balance sheets. We're looking at their bank records. And we're really very focused on liquidity. Liquidity, short-term liquidity as being the most important thing in terms of their likelihood to default within the next 12 months. So it's important to understand that our verification is quite simple. All we are doing is looking to see if the supplier might be at risk Of default within the next 12 months. We are not doing the type of financial analyst that somebody might do if they're looking to buy that DMC. That would be a different model that they would use. Similarly, it's not the same as a bank might use if they're considering loaning that $100,000. It would again be a different model. Now, I can't share the ratios with you because those are proprietary, but they were developed with financial experts and. We have a lot of confidence that those ratios tell us whether or not a supplier might be at risk.
0: And what is the ratio looking at exactly the like liquidity or versus liability, or what are we comparing in this ratio? We
1: we are primarily looking at, at short-term liquidity. So that is okay. the supplier's ability to pay their short-term debts. Now that might be rent, it might be loans that they have, payments to suppliers. There's lots of things that they need to stay on top of and they need to have the cash to back that up. Now, that's why you hear that expression all the time, cash is king, and I cannot stress that more. Cash is very much king today if the supplier's cash position is weak, they could be in trouble. A number of suppliers were in the habit of putting a lot on their credit card. Mm -hmm. And if now all of a sudden they're maxing out that credit card and they need more credit, they're going to have an incredibly difficult time getting an extension to that credit line. And I'll tell you why. And this is something else that we've learned in the last six to 10 months is the credit industry has all but blacklisted the entire travel industry. And we're talking the biggest companies, airlines, car rental companies, consortia, all the way down to the smallest travel agencies. It will be very difficult for companies to get new lines of credit. So if you look at a DMC, they will not be able to get that. And that also is going to, to stretch them. So you mentioned
0: a ratio and that you're looking at their cash flow and their liquidity I guess because it's a ratio and it's not a certain monetary value that then allows this to work for all different supplier partners around the world with different currencies and different exchange rates. And it, it
1: yeah, that's exactly right. Of One of the things that people sometimes think is we're looking at sales and to see how great their sales are. And really, that's irrelevant to what we're looking at. We wanna know what they look like today. So that's why we need to get their balance sheets. It's sort of a a, a health check on a human being or a diagnosis Mm -hmm. on a car. The only way you can do that is to open up, you know, open the hood, get a look inside. And we do that by getting their balance sheets, getting their bank records and applying these ratios. We can tell what kind of shape they are in. Another thing we, we sort of look at is what they looked like going into the pandemic. So I can okay. tell you that probably the only ones that are able to pass our verification right now were in good shape going into the pandemic. They probably, instead of issuing f- future travel credits, gave a lot of refunds. They may not have given all refunds because sometimes people were really quite happy to or wanted to uh-huh. uh, have a future travel credit. But at least they were in a position to do that. Uh-huh. So this is one of the things about working with tour operators. If you, How many things in, in our day-to-day lives can you think of that you purchase in advance, you pay for this in advance, and you get nothing essentially for it, and then you have to travel several thousand miles to actually be able to r- redeem that? If you are buying... A house you put money into escrow if you're hiring an attorney that type of a service they put money into a trust travel really is the only thing that I can think of where it's all done very much on on blind faith and that's where we think our verification gives this critical peace of mind to travel advisors you know at the very least that you're working with suppliers that have passed our ratios that have passed our verification And that's just something that we feel travel advisors not only need, but deserve. Very often, especially Mm -hmm. when you're working with DMCs, you're handing over your best clients. And I truly believe in this model of working with DMCs. I can't think of a better way for a travel advisor to customize an itinerary, get away from being price shopped, provide Mm -hmm. your clients with something that really hits all the notes for them. And with this, it just also gives you that peace of mind that you're the money's safe. So we've talked a
0: lot about this ratio that you're looking for, and with their cash liquidity and their short-term financial viability, is that what else are you looking at in order to say? this supplier, this tour operator, this TFC, is TFS verified? What else are you
1: looking for? Really, the only other thing we are checking is their general liability insurance. So that's something that they all should have in place and it needs to be valid. There are one or two suppliers that actually put that insurance on hold during the pandemic. They didn't want to pay for it. There was no need to since the country was completely closed off. So we are checking that general liability insurance that also protects your clients when they're in country. But beyond that, we're really not. We, TFS, we are developing a website. You can go out and take a look at it, www.trustedfitservices.com, where obviously we'll be featuring our verified suppliers. Travel advisors can register on our site. They get access to our directory, so you can quickly and easily see which DMCs have been verified. But what we're also going with this site is you're going to be able to rate and review a DMC. And we think that that is something that should be available to the entire population of travel agents. We know that DMCs are working with agents from different consortia, and you're all in this together. If you're a virtuoso travel agent, the rating and review of a signature or Internova Travel Leaders advisor is valuable to you. And again, this is all part of increased transparency. You want to know what other advisors think about that DMC. And that really goes more to their service. So we're not doing a test on their service. That's really up to you. And you'll get a a sense of that from your client's feedback. And
0: also from our experience working with them, because we're generally in communication with them for months leading up to our client's trip. So that's kind of what I'm wondering is if advisors have an opportunity to rate and review what kind of questions are we being asked to make sure that it's really about the DMC yes. and it's about the on site and it's not about a client who. No, and,
1: and really, actually, four <laughs> out of the five questions are about your experience working with that DMC. How responsive were they? How creative were they when you described your clients and the types of things that they want to see cool. and do? Were they good at responding to that? Overall, your experience working with that DMC, both before and during the trip. A lot of DMCs will report back, some of them even on a daily basis in terms of Uh what your clients are doing, any changes that they've made. Maybe they've added something to the itinerary. They want to make sure that you get your markup in there. Those are the kinds of things that advisors want to know about that DMC. And so through TFS, we're going to give you the opportunity to share that. So it's not really like TripAdvisor. It's not so much about what your clients say, although that is part of the review. It's one of the questions that that we do ask. What was your client's feedback? Amazing. I
0: I really like those questions, and I really appreciate that you're providing a platform that we can not only see the financial feasibility of the companies that we're interested to work with, but then what are other travel advisors' experiences with them? Because even if I try to reach out to as many travel advisors that I know and say, "Hey," Who do you like to work with in this destination? Or have you heard of this company? Or have you worked with them before? The truth is, is that I usually have one or two people who can say, yes, I know them. Yes, I've worked with them. Yes, it's positive. But one or two people isn't really a very big sample size. <laughs> and so you're providing a, a much bigger opportunity to gather really great feedback.
1: Right. It's why we picked the word, we have the word FIT, F-I-T in our company name. So you know, sometimes I'll ask if advisors, what does FIT stand for? And they'll say flexible independent travel, foreign independent travel, which is true. It's an acronym that we've been using for years. I say it's flex I say it's frustrating and impossible travelers. So these are the <laughs> kind of the square pegs that don't fit yeah, through the, the round hole. They are the people that want to do everything independently. Don't put us on a bus. Don't put us with a group who wanna make sure that we do everything privately. And the first thing, obviously, you need to do is qualify them, make sure that they've got the budget for a true FIT, Mm -hmm. because any way you look at it, it is going to be more expensive. But then working with the the DMC, collaborating with the DMC, I always use that word because it's important that advisors understand DMCs are not miracle workers, they're not mind readers. Mm -hmm. You are the client expert, you have to understand what they want then you go to the DMC. But really our focus is just providing travel advisors with a nice directory of DMCs. We will, on their profile page, it'll say which consortia they're a member of if that's been disclosed to us. So if you want to be loyal to your consortia, I very much encourage you to do that. I'm a great believer in consortia strategies when it comes to suppliers. Really all we're doing is adding to the mix is that they are uh, verified by us. I believe that Signature Travel Network is allowing suppliers to put their TFS badge on their profile page in their directory. I want to make it clear we're not trying to compete in any way at all. Actually, to the contrary, our goal is to support consortia, support Mm -hmm. travel agencies and support DMCs. So as a travel advisor who
0: primarily books with DMCs. 90% of my business is working with small, locally-based DMCs around the world. It's really what I do most of. I generally feel comfortable with DMCs that I learn about or discover via Virtuoso or via a consortia. What I'm more nervous about and more unsure about are the smaller DMCs that might not be a part of a consortia. And the reason that they're not part of a consortium may not be because they haven't passed the vetting process. It may just be because they don't need it or they've decided not to, or they don't have really big budgets to participate in lots of sales and marketing events. You know, there's a lot of reasons someone might not be a part of a consortium. As far as I've understood it, it's not necessarily negative. So I'm curious if I come to Trusted FIT Services and I look for someone who I have already worked with and i Like working with them, but now this extra badge would be helpful, and they're not
1: there. There have been some that were preferred with the consortia that did go under. So, some of the names that come to mind Heritage Tours, Revealed America, Cox and Kings, ITB Holland. I got big stuff in all of that. that, (laughs) And and there were, and I personally know some agencies that lost a great deal of money with some Mm -hmm. of those suppliers, and this was. A big part of my motivation is I don't want to see this happen again.
0: Well, and and that's my nervousness is because I did have a really big problem with Heritage Tours when I went under. One of the biggest bookings I've ever confirmed was with them and caused me a lot of pain and distress. And so the consortia's badge of approval is not the be-all end-all for me anymore because of that. That trust has been broken. So I'm just curious that if I really want to work with someone or if an advisor recommends someone to me, or if a consortia says, hey, they have our stamp of approval, but they're not untrusted FIT services, what's the next step? Do I reach out to you and say, hey, can you, have you, has this person tried to be verified? Are they in the verification process? Can
1: I send them your way? Can you reach out to them? By going to our website, you can see if they've been verified, and if they haven't, the best thing you can do. And I know this is difficult. I think it's difficult for travel advisors or even host agencies who are managing these relationships to say to a supplier you've been working with for many years that you no longer trust them. That's not what you're saying. And it it really is about your responsibility to your client. And you have this responsibility to verify the suppliers that you work with. So from that standpoint, you can say, you know, really, this is something that's important to me on behalf of my client, I would really appreciate it. If you were verified by TFS, Trusted FIT Services, and then you simply can introduce them to me, you can send them directly to my email, which I don't know if we don't have a PowerPoint here, but Marnie B, Marnie M-A-R-N-I-E-B at Trusted FIT Services or accounts at Trusted FIT Services. Just refer them to us and we will put them through the verification process. People do ask, is there a fee for the verification process? There is. The fee that we have been doing last year, and we're continuing it through this year, is $250, which I cannot imagine any DMC that would not be willing to invest that amount. We do have costs that we have to cover to do these verifications in, in order to Be transparent to the travel advisors that mean the most to them and give you that peace of mind that really you deserve and should have. How long does the verification process generally take? It typically takes. So we send the supplier and the application and there's quite a few documents that they have to provide to us. And I should mention that it's all done very, very securely. We're using the same technology used by accountants and lawyers to get that information. But once they've completed the application, our team can typically do the verification in about three to five days. It does depend on the quality of the information. Very often we have additional questions that we have to ask of the DMC, but it's, it's not that complicated and we can complete it easily in three to five days. Now, if the DMC has things that still need to be done, we do tell them that. So we help them through the process and we might say, well, we need you to do this or we need this. Can you give me an
0: example of what you might ask the DMC and say, we need you to do this in order to verify?
1: Yeah, there might be some liabilities there. Future travel credits are probably the most common thing. And we'll say you need to get those down. We, You need to reduce those. And that's why we think that. 2022 will be so important. A number of them will be able to finally reduce those future travel credit liabilities that have been sitting on their books for almost two years. How does that actually look in execution when you say
0: you need to get the future travel credits down if no one's yet traveling? Does that mean to start offering refunds, to set more cash aside? Like what does that actually look like? Issuing the refund
1: would fix the problem. Wouldn't that be... Weird but the client has had credit away. for
0: two years, and suddenly they get a refund to get that done.
1: That's just what it takes. A number of the DMCs that we passed did issue uh, refunds. So to to kind of help you understand that, think about it. One of the things that makes me nervous is that DMCs use these advance payments. As working capital, uh-huh. what that means is they've spent that money before uh-huh. your clients even get there on uh-huh. other costs. Uh-huh. And we really, while some of that is necessary and they do have to make advance payments to hotels and, and other things, it needs to be done in a very manageable way. If it's built up a lot and they're in, they've been doing this for a long time, they could be in a big hole. One example I think of that is clearly short trips. That also went under right at the beginning of the pandemic, they declared bankruptcy. And I'm absolutely certain that they were spending because that was, those were just tours and activities, which typically they're, they don't pay those suppliers until your clients get there. So Mm -hmm. they had no reason. They weren't booking, they weren't paying for hotels. Mm -hmm. And I think they had been dipping into the till, so to speak, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. probably for years. Probably, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay, yeah. so
0: do you ever have suppliers that apply, fill out the application process? And you said you help them along. So do you ever officially fail a supplier and say, we can't verify you? And if that something like that happens, would you share that with the advisor community that someone has not been
1: approved or verified? No. No, we do not. So I have to say that the verification process starts out with the supplier and us signing a mutual NDA. Once that is signed, we cannot say anything about that supplier until they pass. Now, you asked me whether or not they fail. We actually don't fail anybody. They just don't pass. So we do not fail anybody. We do not tell anybody that they haven't passed. We can't. Legally, we are bound by the NDA. We protect that confidentiality that we have with the supplier 100%. So much as you might like to know who are the DMCs that that have not been able to pass, we cannot tell you. I will say that we have a number that are pending, and I do think that they will pass quite soon. But as you can imagine, we're sticking our necks out here. We're going as far as to say this supplier is not at risk of, of bankruptcy. If one of our TFS verified suppliers were to go bankrupt, that's obviously going to be very detrimental to our business. So we don't pass them until we have a very high degree of of certainty, as much certainty as, as we can possibly have. Now, that being said, could a DMC or a supplier forged documents yes they could we are not the fbi or forensic accountants i think it's highly unlikely and we do look at audited financials so we're looking at documents financials that that have been audited by a regi- registered accountant we're doing what we're doing is so far beyond what anybody else is doing in the industry we you know we're the first and only company to ever do this type of verification. And I do think there'll be a lot more that will pass in 2022. So don't hate me for saying this,
0: (laughs) but knowing that someone is pending and knowing that someone has applied and they haven't yet been verified is almost as important for an advisor to know as it is to know who has been verified.
1: Yep. The only way that you can find that out, ask the supplier. Now they mm-hmm. can tell you if they want to. They can tell you we've started. Yep. They can tell you that they've started the process with TFS, that they're working on it. I actually do know some DMCs that have done that. they said we're support. in
0: the process, but we it haven't is. been verified.
1: Yeah. They have not been able to, to pass. And a lot of that does have to do with the pandemic. I mean, unfortunately, the pandemic wreaked havoc on our industry. And caught suppliers at a very bad time, right before they were expecting a lot of business. So some of them may very well have been caught essentially with their pants down. I don't really like that expression, but it's true. But some of them also were the way they managed their business was such that they have been able to to pass our verification. It just depends on how they manage those advance payments Mm -hmm. that makes the difference.
0: So aside from the current pandemic and future travel credits, are there any other practices that you've seen as part of the verification process that is could be remedied, mm-hmm. but it is something that you have to go back to them and say, listen, we're going to need you to do a couple of things? Is there another example that you can give us that might be having them in that pending period for a little bit longer?
1: Not really. I mean, reducing okay. those, they, they, well, that's not true. So, so they may have some debts that they have to reduce, they may own an example of what a DMC may own might be some vehicles. Mm -hmm. And they may be still paying for those vehicles. They could potentially sell those vehicles to bring their balance sheet in line with with what we are looking for. So they're kind of shedding some of that liability that's pulling that score down, Okay, if that makes sense. Sense Mm -hmm. to you. There are definitely things, and we will help them through this. But at the end of the day, we just simply cannot pass a supplier because they promise us good
0: things. Definitely, yeah. No, I guess that would completely—it's
1: pretty basic of
0: trust Uh, (laughs) of of everything that you're doing. If we were running this on promises,
1: yeah, it's quite simple math. And and I think most importantly, what I you know, in addition to just. Providing this verification, hopefully to some extent, we're changing the way payments are handled. I do think that this will lead to that, where these suppliers are less dependent on advanced payments to use as working uh-huh. capital, uh-huh. as well as using their credit card to finance things when people are in credit th- when they are in country. Those are risky; they need to be a little more flush and. Hopefully this will lead to that.
0: Mm -hmm. So if you were to provide any advice to advisors listening, and I'm even kind of asking for myself of, I can rattle off the top 10 suppliers around the world that I work with on the most regular basis. And I would, I would love to see them verified. What would you advise that we do? Do we tell you, do we reach out to them and say, Hey, do you know about this? Would you be willing to do this? What would you advise to advisors?
1: Yeah, either way, you can either ask them to and they can reach out to us. The DMC can reach out to us. They can go to our website. All the information is on our website or the advisor can introduce them to us. I think it's critically important that advisors are working with suppliers that have had this very simple financial health check done. If the supplier is not willing to do this, I would ask why. Why would they not be willing to do that? What potentially could they be hiding? And it's not always one of the things that is another risk might be who they're owned by. Cox and Kings is a good example of that. Cox and Kings in the USA was covered by USTOA, the United States Tour Operator Association. I do want to take a second just to talk about that. Their million dollar coverage that they talk about That amount was set back in 1978. It is absolutely woefully inadequate in today's, the suppliers that it's covering, if they actually did go under, like if a Globus went under, and I want to say, I think very highly of Globus, and I think they're a solid company, but if they did go under, that coverage would not pay $1 million. No, it it doesn't even come close. But anyway, I, I, I do think that they need to go through this. I think just a little encouragement from you, the travel advisor, will get them to come to us. We make it as easy and, and painless as possible. We have had some pushback from DMCs. So a couple of DMCs who we initially went out to said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We shouldn't have to provide financial information to anybody. They're Ooh, not a regulated bank. <laughs> Which is, I know, which is true. We're not a regulated bank, but I've got news for DMCs. First of all, banks don't do this type of vetting, it's always done by a third party. And the second news I've got for the DMCs that push back is you're not a bank either, yet you expect (laughs) to be trusted with money. Just mm-hmm. like a bank. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my response to that. We stand by our verification. it's secure. It, this is exactly some large companies do this in-house. A travel agency does not have the resources and skill set to be able to do what we're doing. And
0: in-house is great, but it still definitely provides me far more peace of mind to know that your team has verified and not that they have verified themselves, because that actually doesn't really mean much. right? Well, and it's, it's kind and of having a trust absolutely. fund that's in your name.
1: <laughs> you're so right, Whitney. Now, be careful. My biggest warning is if a DMC says, here's our ba- a bank letter reference, that is not, I promise you, that doesn't even touch on what we're doing. That tells you they have a bank account. And nothing more. If they tell you that they have a trust account, ask them, is that a third-party trust account? Interesting. Okay. I don't mean to to put down DMCs at all. I just think there's no reason at all that they should be hesitant to go through our process. It's simple. I, yeah, it's I do agree.
0: Yeah. I think there's not any kind of financial barrier that you've put up, even for the smallest guys. I mean, I could pay $250 right now to be verified if that was something that you did to verify advisors. Like $250 should absolutely not get in the way of someone going through this process to provide, to just show the industry that you're doing things properly. So I appreciate that a financial barrier hasn't been put up that some suppliers could say listen I can't really justify that cost you know what I mean yeah
1: it's not something that they can't put out there it is really it it shows that they're willing to be transparent that they're not afraid to go through this means that they're confident that they're solvent they're financially uh-huh. stable those are the DMCs frankly that are coming to us right now and hopefully more will during the course of 2022. But we are kind of leaving it a little bit to the travel advisor and the DMC to come to us. We're not aggressively going out to the market to solicit DMCs, though we will be making a bigger effort to do that in 2022 because travel's picking up, more bookings are happening, it's more needed, but we also think more DMCs will be able to pass given that cash, once again, is flowing to them. Think of cash as being kind of like the lifeblood of their business. If it's not pumping, they're dying. It feels like all hands on deck. If
0: consortia would like their partners to be verified, that's one kind of funneling suppliers to you. If you go reach out to specific people and say, hey, this is what we're doing, would you like to be verified? And then if advisors are saying to our if, if every advisor said to their top five suppliers, would you go through this process? Just imagine how much more secure our businesses would be.
1: It's, I cannot emphasize enough, I believe so that strongly. It that I, I already know so I'm going to email. Now, <laughs> let me ask you a question, a quick question sure. about consortia. What would they do if half or even more of their preferred DMCs, we're not able to pass verification. What do they do then? <laughs> be a big problem. Yeah. And honestly,
0: Marty, right now I trust your verification more than I trust a consortium saying this is a preferred partner. And unfortunately, that's because I went through a lot of strife with Heritage mm-hmm. Tours and I just kind of like that broke all trust for me. And I don't know that trust can really be regained unfortunately because yeah those clients don't work with me anymore I, and i and there was nothing that i could say to them to try to show them this is a well reputed company this is consortium approved this is host agency approved this is all the luxury travel buses i know work with these people and I'm sorry. Tens of thousands of dollars just went down the
1: drain. Right, and you're not <laughs> alone. Maybe. There were other there were others out there, and one of the things that that e- there were signs, and I actually rang the alarm quite early on with both Heritage and Revealed. I would not bring them on as a preferred. The reason being, very simply, that I didn't think Jenna Gardner had the experience running a tour operator. And that's important because we do look at the ownership, the leadership. A DMC is only as strong as its leadership. And the first thing that Jenna did was she got rid of the leadership at those with those operators mm-hmm. and that was an immediate For me, that was like, right, red flag. But the other thing, and if there's any virtuoso advisors listening to this, another big concern, one of the first signs that a DMC might be starting to implode is they're not paying commission payments Mm -hmm. in a timely way. Now, what is a DMC going to do? They may prioritize a virtuoso advisor, but they may not pay an advisor from another network. I won't mention other networks, but- They may stop paying those first. Then those networks get reports from the advisor mm-hmm. saying, we haven't been paid by Revealed. We mm-hmm. haven't been paid by Heritage or, or Affordable Tours, or, or sorry, it was Absolute Tours. There have been some others, Cox and Yes, All of them, yeah. That mm-hmm. consortia wipes them off their preferred list. But in the meantime, they stay on Virtuoso's list, and Virtuoso keeps selling and selling and selling, and then they are the ones that get hurt. So I'm afraid being at the top of the food. I got hurt though. I got hurt. Yeah. I got hurt because let's be honest. When I had to deal
0: with the phone calls and when I had to deal with the threats of lawyers from my clients, guess who didn't
1: respond to my emails? The consortia. The consortia. Agency. So who really, I'm not saying that they didn't get hurt, but. There is a reason and I do respect this reason having worked for a consortia, and I think extremely highly of all of the consortia, Virtuoso, Signature Travel Network, Internova. But you have to understand that they do not want to be responsible for your sales. They do have preferred supplier programs. They facilitate the relationship. But when it comes to the supplier's terms and conditions, those are being signed off By you, your client. Your client is agreeing to the supplier's terms and conditions. The consortia is not. They don't want to comment. That's why they're not pushing, even though I know they're very supportive of TFS. They want suppliers to be TFS verified, but they don't want to comment on anything to do with money aspects. This might be a point of ignorance
0: for me, so please enlighten me because I'm open to learning because this is a very frustrating kind of conversation or like topic for me. And I think that it's because I just truly don't know like what's how the decisions are being made. I understand that we are signing the terms and conditions I'm signing clients are signing for each specific supplier, but the terms and conditions for a company like heritage tours doesn't matter. Their terms and conditions imploded. Mm -hmm. They, they breached their own contract. So The terms and conditions don't matter in this case. And so I guess what my question was, if you are going to be a preferred partner of a consortia or of a host agency, but when that preferred partner then implodes, what responsibility do you hold? Because you because I would have never known about heritage chores and I may not have worked with them had they not been a preferred partner virtuoso. I understand if there's like sales and there's terms and conditions that we're assigning, but what what responsibility does a consortia or a host agency have to say that we're a preferred partner?
1: That's It's a tricky question. You should try asking it of a consortia, but I can tell you that they do not want to be uh, a responsible party in the terms and conditions of... Well, it sounds like they want their cake and they want to eat it too. Oh, you can't you might say, say that, that this is
0: a preferred partner, but if that preferred partner goes belly up, we're hands off and we have nothing to do with it. I can't say that to a client.
1: They don't want to be... Plan- that's r- really why very often a-, a consortia will not announce when they've let a p- preferred supplier go. Because even that puts them at risk, that supplier could then sue them. That. Yeah,
0: I understand that. But yeah. as, a, as an advisor, we take on that responsibility when a client comes to us and they say, we want to go to Peru. And I say, okay, here's my preferred partner in Peru. This is who I think we should plan this itinerary with. And then if that partner goes up in smoke, I don't get to stay hands off. Right. I no. still pulled into that. I still have to respond to that. I still have to make sure that my liability insurance is in place and I may be sued. So, why does a consortia get to say, we don't want to have anything to do with this?
1: Well, that's their prerogative. <laughs> you know, it, it is. I guess my it, question is, why is the vetting not more transparent? I am
0: so supportive of everything that you're doing, and I'm so happy that you're doing it. And thank you for so patiently dealing with my questions and my pushback. I guess I'm unsure why a consortia or a host agency hasn't done a similar type of vetting to know that they can stand behind their preferred if partner. If they
1: were to do this kind of vetting it increases their own risk and responsibility which they don't want to do. They really do want it to be away from them. They I will say that I've had conversations with all of them and they've been very supportive. I think when we get maybe half of perhaps virtuosos on sites have been verified then virtuoso is going to really start making that be a requirement. Right. Um, so. That would
0: be amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's really best for everyone, right? So
1: yes. I
0: I also understand and agree that maybe Virtuoso or any consortia, signature travel leaders, shouldn't be doing the vetting because that's right. just the same as me going to my favorite on site and they say, Well, we did an internal thing and we're good. <laughs> that doesn't exactly. actually mean anything. So are you the first third party? Financial feasibility betting company that exists.
1: To my knowledge, we are the first and only one in the travel industry. Welcome to 2022. Oh my goodness! <laughs> to me, to me I, I'll tell you what. I've had so many people say, "I cannot believe that this." I can, You know, I'm shocked, a, and that we've existed for this long without anything in place to to protect mm-hmm. us. I knew Thank this. You, was Thank you for your service to well, the industry. And, and the best way people can thank me is refer those DMCs to us. Try to encourage them. I, I, I realize how difficult a conversation that can be. But I, I also want you to know that we support DMCs. We want them to pass our oh, verification. Yes. The reason I did this is because I believe so much in DMCs and how they support your business. I think it's gonna be more important than ever. It's hard for travel agents to sell generic shelf products. This is where you guys shine and you need those DMC partners to be able to help you through this, but you need those DMCs to have this simple fitness. That's again, why Mm -hmm. we used fit in our name. We didn't want the word travel in our company name because we don't sell travel and we will, We are committed to being sales agnostic. That is how we are very different from you as salespeople from the consortia. We stand alone here, but we stand to support all of you, but we need you to come. We need you to direct those DMCs and start speaking up. So one of the things in 2022, and this is why I'm so glad you had me on this podcast today, is to get that message out as far and wide to travel advisors as we can, because you are in a position to get those DMCs to do this.
0: Perfect, perfect. I have two final questions for you. Is this just for DMCs, or I have these conversations with my team on a very regular basis of like, what about just the driver in the Amalfi Coast that provides the most amazing service, but isn't a fully-fledged company? And what about the guy who has a super cool boat tour down into Loom and we just really want to support him as much as possible. Are you also going through this verification process with smaller operators that might just be a small group food tour or a boat tour, things like this, or is that too
1: small? I use that. D- DMC is an acronym. We use it very liberally, and okay. it applies to a lot of different businesses. We will do the verification on any DMC inbound or niche operators. So private driver guides, chauffeur type services would fall into that niche category. There's a number of, we'll be looking at adventure travel specialists as well, golf specialists, ones where the more traditional DMC may not be the best fit for your clients. Mm -hmm. Those are the suppliers that we are focused on. They are overseas. So that's why we sometimes refer to them as an inbound. So they specialize Mm -hmm. in people coming into their country. We are not at this point in time looking to do larger tour operators. It would be a different process that we would need to put into place. And we don't feel okay. that we're ready to do that. We might further down the road. We're not sure. We would definitely... By a tour
0: operator, you mean someone like Globus?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're not really... One of the factors that kind of throws that is we would need to look at how they're booking air. There's some credentials right. that we, they okay. would need to have for them. We're not ready. We're re- and we may never be ready to do that. We are very much focused on DMCs, inbound operators, niche operators. And another thing that we're developing is a scoring system that will be similar to the Ripple score. I don't know if you've heard of G Adventures Ripple score, but that measures a tour in terms of how much money actually stays within that country. That could be another podcast because it's very controversial. Are you going to add something like that? Yes, we're working Uh on it. It's probably several months further down the road, but this will be another tool. So when you work with a DMC it's it, one of the selling points is that you are more money is staying local, yes. And we know that that's going to resonate with a lot of clients. Oh, right now. It's pack. scary when you start looking into this, how much money actually comes back to the United States. It's as high in some cases as 90%. So that is, and, and it's, again, it's about the money the money trail and we will be following that we will look at a tour and we'll have a scoring system and and a different type of badge that will say this is this scores this high in terms of keeping money in that country.
0: That yeah. is
1: amazing. So that's a few months away you mentioned. Yeah, we're working with actually some of our current TFS verified suppliers are helping us with that.
0: That's incredible. And that's so so important and that is a topic that I feel so it's going to resonate with so many advisors. It's something that we often try to talk with our clients about, about how we choose suppliers. And I don't know that we're always articulating it the best way. I don't know that clients always get it, but I feel like the more we talk about it. And the more we are able to point to those ratings and to those verifications, it's going to become a bigger part of the conversation. Yeah.
1: Think of it this way. I'm afraid to say the word sustainable is going to be the new kind of buzzword like luxury. It's going to be very overused. And unfortunately it's going to be exploited as well. And there will be people making claims about things being sustainable that maybe they are not. So again, this is where TFS comes in. We don't really want to be police, but we do want there to be checks and balances. And it's so important for you as a travel advisor that you give accurate information to your clients. And that's where we come into the picture because you just cannot possibly have the resources to do that on your own. Incredible. Neither do the consortia, quite frankly. No.
0: And I know that I was hard on them a little bit earlier, but I think that really the more holistic approach to all of this is that this isn't in their hands, and it can't be in our hands. It's way too much for an individual advisor. I'm also always so frustrated with the idea of reinventing the wheel. Like, no, we shouldn't have all these individual advisors trying to do the same thing. So to have a third-party service, trusted FIT services that we can turn to, look for the verification, see that they're financially feasible in the future, hopefully soon, see their score or however you decide to do it in terms of how much money is staying locally. I am so excited. Will you come back and tell us about the, the score when it's ready?
1: I'd be more than happy to do that. If you think about it, we, we do not benefit from passing a supplier unless they are financially secure. It would actually hurt us. So of that's course. why you can trust us. And so it's exciting. I love working with DMCs. I love working with travel advisors. And I, I truly believe in what we are, are doing and supporting Amazing. the business. Yeah.
0: One final question, mm-hmm. just because I want to, I keep forgetting to ask this once a supplier is verified, then what happens? Do they have to redo the same things on an annual yeah. basis? Or are you checking in on them at, after a certain time
1: period? How does that work? Good question. They have to go through this every year. Every okay. single year they we obviously, you know, on their renewal date, they it'll be easier the second year. The first year there's a bit more work involved, but the second year we do still need to get their current financials and process those using the the ratios that we have and they have to pass again. So it is an annual process. They get a certificate every year. We've actually just started to issue our second round of certificates to suppliers that went Through this a little over a year ago, yeah, it wouldn't be good if it just. And that's actually the thing with consortia; they pretty much only vet a supplier when they first come on board, and then that's it. Exactly. No, we do it every year.
0: Amazing, Marnie. It was fascinating to really learn about what you have put together, how it's working behind the scenes, and I am thrilled and super excited to know what's coming up later this year and just in the future of Trusted FIT Services. Thank you so much for your time and. Thank you for everything you're doing to lift up the industry, because it's really, it's going to be a positive shift for everyone in the industry. So thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. And I just reach out to me anytime and anybody who's listening, please feel free to do the same. Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you love today's conversation as much as i did please take a moment to leave a review subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who's ready to level up their travel business if you want more head over to beamasterintravel.com on our website you'll find a free resource library for travel advisors free community forums where you can ask questions and support your colleagues and courses and workshops in the academy marketplace to support your learning and development as a business owner and as a professional travel advisor. On our website, you can also learn about the Masters in Travel community and think tank, a private community where we collaborate, strategize, and ideate together with advisors working towards similar goals and tackling similar challenges. Learn more and join our community at beamasterintravel.com.